Okay, right, we're back. We're, ba- we're back. Hooray. Nadi, you're back in the country. I know. <laughs> I, I feel insane. I feel truly insane right now. I'm exhausted. I, um, yeah, Portugal is six hours ahead and it really, it's not that bad, but honestly, I've been, I've been back in the States for like four days and I still like am recovering. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Um, was it a, was it a good trip though? It was, um, it was really busy and exhausting, but overall it was an amazing experience. I really, really loved it. Um, yeah, Portugal, it was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. Tra- the traveling part was not fun, <laughs> but, um, but it's all for the experience. No. Yeah. I, I would have, uh, liked it a little better if I could see, because I did lose my glasses Oh. overseas and um my I was completely I was completely blind I couldn't see shit for a half of the trip but it's okay it's all, it's okay I went to the eye doctor today I'm getting new glasses so are you gonna get contacts do you wear contacts I I do have contacts but um it's so fussy I don't like putting my fingers in my eyeballs I don't I'm, either no I, I mean I'm busy I'm always in a rush I just want to like put on my eyeballs and go I don't like the I don't like how tedious putting in contacts um, are, but I, I, I do prefer, you know, to wear contacts. I just wish that, um, you know, when I, when I wake up in the morning, like somebody could, I like magically, like, had, <laughs> well, I wish somebody could like do it for me. Like when I open my eyes, I immediately want to like levitating hands to like poke me in the eyeballs and like. I wish, I wish that they could like magically evaporate or like. I or, wish like, I Sp- like spray the co- like contacts into my eyes that or would something. be a great idea yes it would be because I really I don't like the fussing around with it dropping it the wrapper stuff I hate all of that well I you that. would you ever get LASIK oh absolutely I and it's relatively cheap to get LASIK too and some insurances cover some of that but did you may, <laughs> may not for a while do you remember the episode of keeping up with the Kardashians where Kim has to get LASIK because she's about to like perform with the pussycat dolls and she can't see at all. And so then they like, like Chloe and Courtney are yes. in the room with her, like watching it and they're like freaking out. Yes, I, re- I remember that. Um, I also remember the episode where I think it, it was Kim. She has um, a couple of them have uh, eczema or what was it? Psoriasis yes, or yes, eczema. Yes, and they're free. They're like freaking out about it. They like the way that they were reacting was like, as if it's like a, a flesh eating disease. But I really like yeah. the episode of like, I have eczema or whatever. Just it's well, funny I mean, to think them, about. That would be a major deal. Like, well, yeah, I mean, for them, it's just funny to imagine the Kardashians having scaly skin. I think that's really funny. Yeah, because it's like totally unexpected for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're supposed to be they're supposed to be like these picture perfect people. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, did you see the um, the Balenciaga Winter 20, 2022 campaign? I'm like obsessed with this ad campaign right now. It's really, no, I really have good. not. What is it? You saw it on my um, stories. I posted like Kim Kardashian sitting in the chair and and it was like me waiting. She's in a blue dress. Oh, it's a really okay. it's a really good like I really like this campaign. I don't really pay attention to like fashion campaigns that much, but I was like, I really like this um, this photography and this like campaign these campaigns. And I know stuff. I really haven't been following fashion week that much. I feel mm-hmm. so out of it. No, I mean, I, 
I know a little bit about fashion, but I don't know everything. Um, but I think that's okay because I feel like most fashion people also don't know anything. So it's completely fine. I feel like I want to get into fashion week mm -hmm. because like it is like so theatrical, like every show is so it's like a performance. You no, know, it is. It truly is uh, like a little play, except um, there's nothing, nothing happens. Well, <laughs> there was, yeah, there was one, um, show that I saw, like when I was like, just scrolling mindlessly through Instagram of like these people would like stand up in the audience and then they would walk onto the runway and then they would like go into this revolving door mm -hmm. and then they would come out in the, the clothes that for, for the, uh, the designer. Mm -hmm. And it was like so fast. I was like, this is amazing. The, mm -hmm. the quick changes, like that, this is okay. incredible. Yes, quick changes. There is an art to getting changed into another costume fast. And there are certain like moves, like any wardrobe, uh, what's the official uh, <laughs> like position called? Anybody who works in wardrobe uh, knows about this. Like you have to learn- A wardrobe certain... assistant. Yeah, wardrobe assistant or head of wardrobe. Costumer. Or I have, yeah, I have a, one of my friends I went to college with is, like head of wardrobe on Aladdin on Broadway right now or something. And mm. um, there are certain tricks that you have to learn to get the actor or performer to a whole different costume, a whole different outfit extremely quickly. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, we, when I was in college, we had to do like quick change rehearsals and we would time That's it. so intense. It's intense. And <laughs> also I would argue that it's a little dangerous because when you're changing into another pair of pants and the wardrobe assistant is helping you, um, you can, and sometimes you're in the dark, people do get like knocked and like kneed in the face. And stuff. Yes. It's very, very common. Um, Have you ever done a quick change? Oh, many, many. I mean, when I was performing so many quick changes um, and some that I did where I'm like, this is humanly impossible, um, but it happens. I think I my know. favorite quick change is the uh, the one in Hairspray where like Tracy and her mom get a makeover and welcome to the 60s. Yeah, that is That's cool. a pretty fast quick change. Well, I like the the quick changes that are like, oh, I put um, a dress with magnets over another dress. Like those quick changes are not like super impressive to me. Like for example, like uh, the opening of Legally Blonde where oh, yeah. she's like, uh, she changes, she goes into the store and changes into another dress. Like those are magnets, but I really like the quick changes where you know for a fact that the actor went behind somewhere with a wardrobe assistant, had like three people on them like zipping things, zipping things up and buttoning yeah. things. And, and then it's they highly come orchestrated. Out. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it really is. You do have to choreograph it, honestly. It makes me think of that video from when the King and I was performing at the Tony Awards back in mm -hmm. like 2015. And uh, Kelly O'Hara goes mm -hmm. backstage to transition into the Shall We Dance dress. And mm -hmm. it was so like just beautiful to watch, seeing them so all good. like just like working together to get it done it was yeah it feels very fabulous as an actor to do a quick change because it just feels nice to have like three people catering to you putting on your clothes like I I wish I could I wish I could <laughs> wake up glamorous. every day I know so like every day when I wake up at like 5 a.m and I'm like I really wish I could have like three <sighs> assistants to dressers like, dress me yes please 
I mean, sometimes oh. I put my clothes out. I set my clothes together um, beforehand um, the night before, but that's pretty much it. I want to get to a point where I just have like a war, like a, a uniform that is like a, strongly associated with me. You know how mm-hmm. like Janelle Monae would wear like the the suit, the black and mm-hmm. white suit for yeah. her early career or like uh, Fran Leibowitz wears like the blazer and the jeans and the boots. Mm-hmm. That's yes. kind of what I want to like get to at a certain point. I'm always looking for blazers. Um blazers like workwear and I guess in my opinion workwear for women uh is just at all-time low right now because Mm. when you see any women woman my age wearing a blazer or trying to signify that she's going to a work meeting or something it's always these girls who are like swimming in these oversized jackets now if the jacket has like oversized shoulders and a fitted waist that's fine I have a um, leather jacket like that but I just I'm done with the oversized like swimming around (laughs) it looks like like that's gonna be here for a while though I know and it's it's been here for a while for so long and I hate it because um, I've worked hard to have the body I have, and um, I just don't right. want. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste it on like these gigantic, uh, like boxy ass blazers right. that I'm swallowed like, up by your I'm clothes. Swallow- I'm being swallowed by my clothes. I'm, I'm just so tiny and small and skinny. I I, I just I simply can't. Um. <laughs> we got we got a right to these fashion designers. I know. Get get up um, the program. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm happy to be back in the I'm States. I'm happy you're back too. I, yeah. I missed you. Uh, well, I missed, I mean, I really enjoyed Portugal, but um, it's very slow there. Everything is slow. Um, mm. Things are so fast in the States and I was really put to the test uh, living like the Mediterranean lifestyle because you'll be at a restaurant and you'll ask the waitress, oh, you forgot my fork or you forgot something <laughs> or can I please have an extra water and um either they won't bring it to you they'll forget and you have to remind them either way you're going to be waiting like 25 minutes for whatever you have requested it's just so slow um which is uh i think actually is very virtuous and encourages people to just so socialize but i'm already socialized for like the fast 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 like as soon as i got back into the states i was like yes order me a taxi now let's go 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 <laughs> that's what i'm saying i'm saying like the ideal society is one that has like 24 hour service but like has like their their sexualities figured out like i feel like american society has the 24 hour service i mean not anymore really but it's like dwindling but i feel like like france or a lot of european countries do have their sexualities figured out in a way or like they're not as like worried about it mm-hmm. so it's know. inspiring because i mean like now we're seeing like all these like like moral panics with like blonde and uh what's it called Dahmer. i don't even think there is an actual moral panic i think it's manufactured like whenever people say especially now because i feel like there's um this strange moral fatigue happening in real life but in fake life uh <coughs> there's like moral panics that are being peddled and manufactured to get people to pay attention and maybe like convince themselves that that's something that they need to talk about. But 
Um, I'm just interested that Blonde is, N it's NC-17, yes? Yes, and I was so disappointed that I couldn't see it in a theater. I wanted that, that experience. Yeah. That's so strange. There's so many like weird um, rules around censorship in movies. Like, it's so strange. Well, yeah, and I think like after seeing the movie, and I mean, we'll talk about it because we're going to do an episode over it, but yeah, I think like after seeing it, like the outrage about it is like so overblown and just unnecessary. I'm kind of glad that I was out of town last week because I completely missed everything. Like you really I didn't, did. have, I didn't have time. I'm, I come back and like there's there's a whole new uh, news feed um, to to talk about. I'm I'm so out of the loop. I mean, it's exciting that people are like paying attention to pieces of art at least like like and like everybody's like talking about it and it's a way to like uh like be like oh did you to talk with your coworkers of like oh did you see you know Dahmer like that's exciting I, I don't want to talk to my coworkers about Dahmer honestly <laughs> um but I, I think what I um am interested I, I'm interested like why Marilyn Monroe like why I want to see a biopic of like about Natalie Wood, like she died by um, uh, falling, circumstances, yeah. uh, falling off a boat. Like that would be cool. Kind of similar to like the Isadora Duncan movie that we saw, like she was so weird and she died so strangely. With uh, Marilyn Monroe, like I feel like it's just gonna be sad, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it was like very beautiful. Okay, I'm excited well, for you to watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it tonight. Um, All right. Cool. Well, I'm excited about um what we're talking about today because it's so wholesome <laughs> it's wholesome but it's also like very <laughs> dark it's very dark what Oklahoma's dark yes wait in what way I mean it has this kind of like 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 avoidance of reality this, the, the time that I was watching it this time, mm -hmm. like that really stuck out to me that like Curly and Lori cannot deal with reality. Mm -hmm. And so then they like, and the whole like town really cannot deal with reality. Mm -hmm. And like, that's and why like. That's why it was so inspiring to like the people back in the 1940s when Oklahoma premiered mm -hmm. because it, you know, I don't know, it like, it, it looked on the brighter side of life, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, both idealistic, but also inspires a lot of hope and aspiration. And I think that's what the whole show is about. It's like, it literally they say in the um, the lyrics are brand new states like a new beginning a new era a new life yeah. and like newness um and you know like what westward expansion i guess mm -hmm. and um hoping for a better future with a better quality of life um and like essentially like a blank slate where you can uh you know have your own farm or whatever you know yeah. um living uh you know a self-sufficient lifestyle um where you have ownership and agency over um the quality of your life and I think that's that's what I always think when I think of Oklahoma I mean especially the opening scene um 
oh, what a beautiful morning. Like that's such an iconic song and it just makes me very, it makes you very happy when you listen to it. I sang that song in high school, my freshman year. I sang it as a solo. <laughs> and they, everybody in the class was so surprised that it, it went really well. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like I can sing. <laughs> But I love, I had a great time with that song. And, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, okay. Well, here's, here's a question. And I, I have to stress, like, I love Oklahoma. I love all of the songs. I hate the song. Um, I'm just a girl that can't say no. Like, I hate oh, that yeah. song so Well, much. I think, like, so annoying. I mean, but it really does show, like, Ado Annie as this girl who is, like, pure impulse. Mm -hmm. You know, like she really cannot. Yeah. She doesn't have like, and that's the thing is like her and Lori are the foils for each other. And mm -hmm. Lori really overthinks everything. Yes. yes. Whereas Ado Annie doesn't think. Yeah. Hardly Ado, at Annie. All. <laughs> Ado Annie is so funny. I think that's why she's the most annoying to me because she uh, constantly uh, claims that, oh, I, I just can't say no. I am, you know, I don't have any willpower at all mm -hmm. I have to say yes every time to like every guy who and she's like boy crazy she's like oh, I simply cannot resist <laughs> um but the song is like so annoying and all the excuses she makes are just very superficial um but compared to Lori she's more fun and a little more virtuous because Lori just overthinks so much that yeah, it Lori causes her like suffering <laughs> Right. Lori has a lot in common with like Hamlet. Like she's very, like yeah. she can't, like she can't take action and she's very, I don't know. I mean, is she uncertain of what she wants? Like, I don't know. It seems like she really wants Curly and she but kind she, of, and she, she kind of like know. plays with him. Mm -hmm. She kind of, you know, she it plays, feels like they, yeah, she plays games. Yeah. Like it feels like she's like playing with him kind of flirtatiously. Um, which is why I feel like a lot of people feel like today, like she doesn't know what she really wants, but I do, I on a certain level think that she knows what she wants. Mm -hmm. She knows what she wants. She just sort of disapproves of the sequence of events that is right. happening because when Curly asks her to the dance, she's like, oh, he, he waited too long. Like that, right. that must mean something or like, oh, you, you just, you took too long to ask me. So I'm going to refuse to go to the dance with you. And that that's what makes her like really annoying. That's like her main character flaw. Which is kind of also impulsive of like, she'll just like throw whatever to the wind, you know, yeah. if, like she won't, I don't know. She doesn't, she doesn't see the long game, I guess is really her tragic flaw. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, Curly's tragic flaw. I mean, and he says it in the opening song, Oh, what a beautiful morning. Mm -hmm. Everything's going my way. Well, like that, mm -hmm. that, that's such a that's it's such idealistic. A, yeah, and that's such a very distorted like vision of reality, I feel like. Yes, because he literally says, I have a beautiful feeling that everything is going my way. And that is such a, a beautiful idea, but that's not always how it happens. <laughs> right. Cause I mean, like he literally like kills Judd Fry to mm -hmm. get Lori. Yes, because when you try to uh, execute, no pun intended, execute things <laughs> in the way that you want it, um, you are either not going to feel as vindicated for it or, or 
you um, are not going to get, you're not going to get what you want in the end. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't, you can't force these things. <laughs> no. And I think like, that's the, I don't, I think that that's the thing with this show is it's like, and I think like, that's what was going on with like Roger and Hammerstein that they were like trying to like write a musical that I don't know, kind of like talks about America that like, we think that we can like buy away our problems. Mm-hmm. And there's always a Judd Fry that's lurking around. I know there's always a Judd Fry that (laughs) is standing in your way. Well, so what's interesting is that this was the, um, I believe this was the, was this the first musical that Ryerson and Hammerstein? That they collaborated on. Yeah, Yeah, this is their first collaboration. Um, And this musical came out in uh, 1943. It was that yeah. that was the first um, Broadway production. What, and like one of my favorite stories about Oklahoma is the when like a lot of like soldiers were stationed in New York mm-hmm. and they were waiting to go off to World War II and they saw this musical and there's stories about them like weeping because they were like, this is what we're going to die for. Like Aww. this this country, this ability to like tra- like transcend you know, our problems. Yeah. I mean, think about the lyrics, brand new state, brand new states going to treat, treat you great. You great. great. Yeah. Like think of, like, think about this. If you're moving somewhere, you're going to a, a new state or a new country or, or something. Um, yeah, it is very, it inspires a lot of hope and it's very uplifting and sincere. Yeah. But, but that's, that's what like makes the Daniel Fish revival that happened in 2018 so Mm -hmm. jarring is because like he really brings out the psychological terror that Mm -hmm. is at the heart of this musical Mm -hmm. and that's why like I can't view this musical in the same way that I used to view it because the first time I saw this musical I was like five or six my dad like took me to the local high school Mm -hmm. that he worked at to like because they were producing it and obviously, like, I wasn't really paying attention to the story that much, but, like, the dancing and the music I was really uh, transfixed by. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, like, this is, like, a really, like, scary story. <laughs> like, because, I mean, the, like, the ending of the recent revival mm-hmm. is very controversial because they, like, they're singing Oklahoma and they're like stomping and screaming Oklahoma, mm-hmm. the song. Mm. And, Weird. but it's, if you really think about it, like they couldn't be cheery about it in reality, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Curly just killed a man. Mm-hmm. Like his relationship with Lori is going to be like at the basis of that is going to be this murder yeah because their their relationship is predicated on uh this competition this competition that's now out of the picture yeah and Mm -hmm. like it's and so like of course they're not going to be able to sing it like really happily and cheer and cheerful Mm -hmm. they're gonna be like distraught and like fucked up because Mm -hmm. like how could they go on you know with Mm -hmm. this at the the basis of their lives so people like hate this production it's very controversial but I thought it was incredible very and like profound. yes that's I mean, interesting I, that is interesting actually I was having a like I 
like this is I felt like you I were was the, you were shook you were yes, shook. I was shook <laughs> I was this is like the closest I feel like I've ever gotten maybe to seeing cats on stage <laughs> well okay like, I, I will tell you I love um every time I actually have seen I saw this show recently probably like four or five years ago um it, when it's done well the violence is so visceral um nice. it takes a lot to make a, it's in the story but um, there's a lot of violence in the show and the fighting is really exciting and like the fight choreography <laughs> when it's done really well it is very jarring and very visceral um, and it yeah it does like shake you <laughs> and, and at least like every time I've seen it before um, it is very intense to yes. because it goes in between like these happy um, like campy moments of uh, Oklahoma gorgeous dancing gorgeous dancing fun uplifting and then immediately a, a scene later it's like murder <laughs> and yeah. like screaming and it's very it, but it does put you on the edge of your seat like you don't know what's going to happen next and I think um when people think of Oklahoma they think like fun campy um mm. Rogers and Hammerstein golden age musicals but honestly this show is very emotionally intense um and very introspective at some points because I mean obviously uh, for me very introspective when it comes to the dream ballet oh my god in the I middle guess. of the show <laughs> um which and like, that that had never been done in a musical before like that's why like this musical is so like revolutionary because like it is so psychological to have like just a, a, a dance break and not even just like a, a like a random dance break it's like a dance break that like is going into the recesses of Lori's mind yeah and I think whenever I whenever I see the dream ballet I I don't know it's weird like Oklahoma does feel like a dream somebody's dream that's <laughs> all the whole show yeah. seems like feels like a dream um and then the ballet is sort of like a nightmare part um because it's about like the ballet it's very beautiful but it is a psychedelic uh anxiety yes. inducing <laughs> uh number uh about like being torn between two men and not being able to make a decision and um it is very nightmarish and it's the weirdest people just don't know about the dream ballet like the dream ballet at, in the middle of the show is like the most weird strange out-of-pocket psychedelic experience um yes. and some people I think do it uh well and I think some people do it in like a boring way where it's like oh this is her dream she's torn between two men but I don't know like the times I've seen it done well it's so visceral and dreamlike and it just feels like either this is the nightmare part of the dream of Oklahoma or this is everybody is asleep and yeah you are right about the psychological aspects it um I feel like the ballet is the subconscious of mm -hmm. the musical yes because and that also makes sense there's like no talking it's it's like a 30 minute <laughs> like yes. ballet it's so yes. weird and like that's and that's the thing is like in the like original production they have like Lori looking at another dancer dressed up as Lori mm -hmm. who then goes on and does the dream ballet mm -hmm. um and then but in this recent revival they 
usually the dream ballet ends the first act but in the recent revival the dream ballet starts the second act and so mm -hmm. then it like you're just like coming back from intermission and then you're just like attacked yeah by, by this dream ballet and it's literally this girl it's so confusing. To, that, yeah, that's supposed to represent Lori just comes out and she's wearing this t-shirt, this long t-shirt mm -hmm. that says dream baby dream on it. And Whoa. she's like, she's like rolling around on the floor and like Agnes DeMille's choreography has been totally like cut through. Like yeah. it's, it's almost like non-existent. And it's just, I was like, like pulling my hair when I was watching it because I was so like taken aback by it. And mm -hmm. it felt very, I mean, I feel like I overuse the term Lynchian a lot, but it did feel like <laughs> it the does feel, it, I agree. It did feel Lynchian. It felt like we are in the Black Lodge yes. watching. I actually totally agree about the Lynchian aspect of the ballet because it is sort of uh, abstraction uh, subconsciously of like what's going on in the actual plot. Um, and it is very confusing and you're kind of watching it and like recognizing some parts of what's happening uh, in the ballet and other parts are like, this is confusing. What does this symbolize? Is this a metaphor? Is this reality? Is this part of the show? It's, it is very strange. Yeah, well, and have, you've seen the movie, right? Like- N Not for a very long time. So in the movie, she like smells, she like smells like a perfume or smelling mm. salts. Mm -hmm that like helps her like get into the dream and she's like maybe this elixir perfume will give me clarity mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god like that's so beautiful and like especially because like ever since like getting into the perfume nationalist like I've been <laughs> on my own perfume journey mm -hmm. and I was just like it's so true like perfume can give clarity <laughs> so is I mean is that in the musical that she smells perfume or she I smells have, sal smelling salts. Yeah, what I couldn't. Rem I couldn't remember. I mean, it, like, I think it's a smelling salt, but it's like a. I think it's, a, it's like a perfume. I think I it's very know. ambiguous. Is it? Isn't it something that the peddler brings in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he's Ali he Hakeem. is yes, because he comes in and he's got all these lotions and potions from like the Orient. Yeah. Yes. And um, that yeah, she probably is like smelling some kind of smelling salts or some kind of potpourri or um incense or or drugs who knows <laughs> exactly and yeah it's, i mean maybe today it would be drugs you know yeah, maybe if if she were if this musical were written today if it was if it was a pomo postmodern <laughs> interpretation i mean well she does ketamine people, i know <laughs> exactly well, I mean, this recent revival of Oklahoma was very postmodern. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally, like, it takes place, like, it looks like it's in, like, a country, mm -hmm. like, hall room, mm -hmm. you know, like, a multi-purpose room. And, like, on the background of the wall is, like, the the countryside of Oklahoma, the farmland. And then they're, like, in this room and it's so weird because like you'll see like stagehands coming out and like taking things away and you're like mm, that's why cool. are they in this room what 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 are they doing what is going mm -hmm. on like and it's never really like explained so you kind of have to like come to it on your own and mm -hmm. i don't know it, it, it was just like it was it was wild i w i wish i hope 
Maddie, <laughs> and see this production because it is I'll so. It. It's just it's so good, and I, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people hate it, but I just think it's wonderful. And also in the revival, Ali Stoker, who was on Glee, mm. played Edo Annie. Wait, uh, which one is Ali? She was the girl in the wheelchair that like already dated in like season three. Oh, she's one of those random characters that just yes. comes around for like a half a season. <laughs> yes. And but she played Ado Annie and no, I think she, she and she won a Tony Award for it too. Yeah, she's very talented. She is very talented. She was like made out to be a villain on the Glee project, but yeah. Who knows if that's true? Um, <laughs> something well, I think on the note of this musical evoking actual very deep deep intimate emotion is that uh, it pioneered the development of the book musical so if the song and the dance is fully integrated into Mm. the story and those things also have um, serious or catalyzing the dramatic goals um, it's not as present not it's both presentational um, not just there for your amusement but it's also made to evoke a genuine emotion like it's not just it's sort of like who uh, it's an that's an aristotle rule right like if something is there it's not just there because it looks pretty or it's there just because it's there for a dramatic purpose right. um and something happens every single action that happens is catalyzing uh the sequence of events and um that leads up to like the goals of the dramatic plot you know um so not only is it a fun uh happy uh musical um it's very uplifting but it's also very deep and uh it's uses all of these um like very important uh literary devices you're supposed to when you write drama um yeah (laughs) it's just really well done Oh, it's so well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's at the height of, I mean, I feel like a lot of people like discard it because they like hate Rodgers and Hammerstein because like they're old and white. But I think like there's something really like, like the eternal in these play, in these mm-hmm. musicals. I'm yeah. but It's, ma- it's the blueprint. It's a blueprint because the musical yes. themes and the musical motifs are present throughout the whole show. It's not just like, we're using this musical motif uh, for this song and that and then that motif is never going to come back again. Like every single motif uh, has like a meaning or a theme or a character behind it and they always repeat. And that is what makes the music the music an important element in the storytelling. Well, and even the dance mm-hmm. like is, yeah. is used to like tell the story. Um, but uh, Maddie, have you yeah. read the book uh, The Art of Cruelty by Maggie Nelson? I have not. Oh my God. <laughs> you would, it would, it's right up your alley. I've mm-hmm. like just started it, but it's, she like talks about Aristotle's like idea of catharsis because mm-hmm. she's so, she's yeah. like obsessed with like, you know, uh, this cr- like seeing cruelty like lock us into like committing cruel acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about catharsis and how like it's such a disputed idea mm-hmm. of like what it actually does mm-hmm. that like does catharsis actually provide under like understanding and clarity of vision or is it like a way for us to like purge 
our emotions like a a selfish form of um you know relief that yeah doesn't uh yield you to think about how you got there in the first place maybe yeah yeah and then she talks about how like plato believed in (laughs) mimesis Mm -hmm, yeah and how like that's why like in his ideal society like playwrights are banished because they like are reenacting what they like what is happening in real life and and then aristotle is much more like and this is a very like cynical way to put it mm-hmm, but i think yeah. but like social control you know like mm-hmm. being like okay like you can let out your emotions in this venue and then mm-hmm. therefore you will not do it in real life mm-hmm. yeah you have to um go somewhere to uh yeah take that somewhere else please yeah (laughs) it's like my my rule is that I don't I will never cry at work ever again I don't want to cry at work (laughs) that is would would just be the lamest thing ever but if I had to cry during work I would probably leave (laughs) and then come back it's Um, very stoic I really that would just be so whenever I see somebody crying at work I'm like please like, I mean, it's not is a, worth it. <laughs> I mean, I do really believe that there is a time and place for everything. Of course, absolutely. There is, definitely. Um, and, and I think, like, right now the project is to, like, make it where, like, you can do whatever you want, wherever you want. <laughs> but no, I think Oklahoma is extremely cathartic because um, it's very, to me, it's very fast-paced. Um, oh, yeah. And the, between the violence, the dance, the fighting, the singing... The laughing, the crying at the end of the show, like you kind of feel a little fatigued and you want to like, but very peaceful. You know what I'm saying? Like every time I've seen Oklahoma, I'm like, wow, I feel very at peace. You know, I did feel like a a sense of clarity Mm -hmm. about my life when I saw the recent revival, because I was like, I just have nothing left to give at this point. (laughs) I'm I'm like, so I'm just so like taken by this story. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's like, these people are never going to be happy again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for, for me, it's mostly like, I'm tired. Like that took a lot of energy out of me. Oh, yeah. And now I don't have any energy to like do anything else, but like lie down. <laughs> well, see, I like whenever I go, to, especially if I see like a really good piece of theater, mm-hmm. like it will invigorate me and I'll be like, okay, I have to go to the bar. <laughs> like I have to, mm-hmm, I have to true. like drink this out to like bring me down. Cause I'm so like emotionally high right now. Like I need like something that's going to like bring me back down to earth and Mm -hmm. like because I'm I'm so like shaken up right now yeah you're shook yeah yeah Yeah, you have a you have a low uh a shook threshold I think I do I'm very (laughs) I I get really like moved by so many things easily but you're probably very but I think you're very connected with your emotions I I, I don't really I don't really cry at anything unless like I see a baby that's very cute uh i mean i i don't know i just feel i don't know i (laughs) I don't know where it comes from (laughs) maybe from my mother yeah she loves to cry too um um what's your what's your favorite song in this show i love people people will say we're in love oh that's so cute i yes because i think it's like very playful with them you know, and I just, you don't see that very often in art where like, you don't see the art of flirting in art anymore, mm-hmm. really. And I think like that is like a really great 
song that encapsulates the art of flirting. And and but also it's sort of like a fun song about a coming of age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is such a a really cute scene. It kind of reminds me of like Sound of Music year 16 going on 17. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very like innocent. Um, That's a good yeah, point. It also yeah, reminds me of, that. yeah, it also reminds me sort of of like the Fantastics. That's sort of like very similar. <gasps> um, oh my God, I both, totally forgot that the Fantastics exist. <laughs> I know, so it's so good because all it's just romantic. It's romantic. I love these romantic songs where it's just two, uh, like a couple on stage and they're, um, singing about how they're in love it's just very cute it's a very sincere show yeah um, i i sang soon it's gonna rain in high school mm. in my like voice lessons That's wow cute. That, really, that really brings me back <laughs> <laughs> what's um, your favorite song uh, i love the opening oklahoma i love um that's probably my favorite. I love uh, Poor Judd is Dead. That's a very oh funny scene. Yes. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, and, very controversial too. Uh, I mean, yeah. But um, no, I'm going <laughs> to, what's, I just love the, I love, love the song Oklahoma because it's so visual and it's sort of describing like the wide open plains it's also kind of uh, like fantastic too. Yeah, it's it just makes me think of like oh, where the deer and the antelope play. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love the lyrics. Um, Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, and the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. I just love that. I love it. And then they and then it says like every night my honey lamb and I sit alone and talk and watch that hawk making lazy circles in the sky. It's so cute. Yeah. It's very idyllic and mm -hmm. I mean, that's why it's, it's scenic. The state that, yeah, it's scenic. And I think like that's why it's the state song of Oklahoma probably. And like, I have a lot of uh, friends. Well, I don't have a lot of friends, but I have a friend from Oklahoma mm -hmm. and he was like so annoyed that of how they sang Oklahoma in the recent revival when it Wait, came why? through. Well, cause like, at the end of this revival, they look like they don't want to be there and they're mm -hmm. just kind of like singing it. Cause I think like, they're still like, uh, really in that place of like, oh my God, like he just killed a man mm -hmm. and we have, we're covered in blood. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're, they're just like not very inspired, but that was kind of why I really liked it mm -hmm. because <laughs> They were just like singing Oklahoma like straight at me and they were yelling it Ooh, and I like, love that. No emo like they weren't like yeah, that happy strange. about it. Yeah, it's so strange. It's so strange. And like they yeah, so I think like he just like they didn't like that. Mm. And but you know, I mean they sang Kansas City when they came here and mm -hmm. I, I I found it to be quite charming. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. everything's I mean, up to date in Kansas City. Which is I not just, really that true anymore, but yeah, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. Well, something that I have been thinking about is when they sing um, your everything, um, like repeatedly in all of the songs, there is something in these lyrics that sort of evoke telling, telling lies to yourself just to get yes. you through the day. 
Like yes. think of how many times in the show they say, we're doing fine. You're doing fine, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. And then they say, okay, like you're doing fine, Oklahoma. Okay. Everything's going my way. <laughs> Everything's fine. Like I just, every single song I'm hearing these little lyrics that are either like, everything's going my way. Everything's going fine. Everything's okay. Okay. O. And I'm like, this is insane. I feel like the, this musical is all about convincing yourself that everything is going to be okay. And they literally literally say that in the show, you're doing fine, Oklahoma. Okay. Like it's about convincing yourself that everything is completely fine. Nothing to see here. Yes. Um, It's all going to be okay. That yes. And, and like in, Oh, what a beautiful morning. Mm -hmm. He's like, Curly says that weeping Willer is laughing at me. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like, just like, uh, like nature is in on the joke. Like, no, Mm -hmm. is like, no, you're not going to be okay. Like, it's just, oh my God. Yes. It's all, it's between these, there are these two, um, like themes in the lyrics. It's either, uh, everything's fine right now. Everything's going to be okay. Or, Mm -hmm. um, there are these songs that emphasize tomorrow is a new day like many a new day is a song like Mm -hmm. maybe tomorrow or ahead like the land we belong to is grand um Mm -hmm. and tomorrow is a new day what does uh lori say in many a new day that's kind of a song that i like tune out because it just kind of seems and maybe i haven't looked at the lyrics closely enough but it's kind of a song that i just like don't really think about too much well she's sort of lamenting she says many a new face will please my eye many a new love will find me never have i looked back to sigh over the romance behind me um i don't know what else there's there's so many little easter eggs in in these lyrics let's see I don't know, but I mean, something about uh, the lyrics are really trying to communicate that we're always either convincing ourselves that everything's fine and we're just going to put on a smile Mm -hmm. to mask our emotions, or we're sort of lamenting about what we currently have and resenting that we're doing it. That and um, we're looking forward to tomorrow and the greener pastures that await us. (laughs) Yeah, it has a really nice duality to it. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's why it like, has such staying power mm-hmm. and I don't know I mean it's nice that it's it's a like it can be presented in this very hopeful way but um I think like the the darker aspects of mm-hmm. it are like coming becoming more and more true every day yes and I think it's important that there are those darker aspects in it because even though it's a a very I remember when we were reading the book in college um I was like, oh my God, Oklahoma is so boring. But if you really look mm. into it, there are these very deep introspective moments that reflect on um, society and, um, you know, pro- like human uh, progress of civilization, uh, living in a community, yeah. um, coexisting in a community, um, or not coexisting in a community. Um, especially when it's a small, like tight knit community. 
Um, there's always going to be conflict, and that's why it's a very important piece of dramatic yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, literature is because there is this uh, very carefully placed conflict that has so much intention, um, well, and that's very important. Well, and it, thinking about the song Kansas City, this just like popped in my head, but like they say, like they've gone about as far as they can go. Yes, they built a big, they built a big story skyscraper seven mm -hmm. stories high and yes they have a big theater and um they have this big plump woman with rosy cheeks in it and i don't know it like kind of makes it seem like where do like, we go from here yeah exactly right? like there's a, there's a kind of a decadence implied mm -hmm. and that oklahoma like the territory of oklahoma is still in its kind of primitive uh period mm -hmm. Because if you really think about it, like the whole point of America was always just about like trying to tame the unnatural or the the natural land, you know? Well, it's just about uh, expanding to um, get your hands on resources mm -hmm. um, so that you can build your empire or whatever, like go going places where the resources are more accessible and like ready to go, you know? That's yeah. has places that have not yet been like conquered or colonized yet. Like you want to go there so you can get there first. Yeah, and, um, and maybe that's like part of the malaise of American society a lot is that like we don't have that anymore. Yeah, it's a stagnancy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right. The So the lyrics in Kansas City um, is every, everything, everything's up to date in Kansas City. They've gone about as far as they can go. They went and built a skyscraper seven stories high, about as high as a building ought to grow. Everything's like a dream in Kansas City. It's mm. better than a magic lantern show. You can turn the radiator on whenever you want some heat with every kind of comfort. Every house is all complete. You can walk to pretties in the rain and never wet your feet. They've gone about as far as they can go. It's crazy. Right. And it, I mean, mm -hmm. it kind of makes it seem like they're, I don't know, like they, there's a complacency, I guess, there. Well, there's a, almost like a anxiety mm -hmm. in the lyrics. It makes you think about like how much what's further, next? what's next, what could possibly be next. Like we built all of these skyscrapers, we have all of this technology. Like, have we hit the ceiling here? Like, what could possibly be next? But I think every single uh, like age has these feelings of anxiety about technological like progress or right. whatever, and um, you know where hu human consciousness and uh, the, where the human race is going and what we can do and how our how we organize society is changing and. Um, but I think it's a myth, like some things change and some things stay the same. Like, I don't know. I, I don't really believe that one day we're all going to have like little microchips in our head. I think there is always right. going to be a, a distinct, because I, I believe in like the spirit of humans. And I believe that there is always going to be a huge distinct um, separation between on um, online life, internet uh, life and in real life realness and I think they do they're always going to influence each other and you're always going to be confused over which is which but um I think we all consciously know that they're we're all going to be conscious of the fact that there's um a strict delineation between uh, online life and offline life but I don't right. know right 
I mean that and like that's the anxiety I guess there mm-hmm, is like is. what 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 will that look like because I've been, mm-hmm. also been thinking a lot about Urbit lately and like what is mm-hmm. that going to look like you know um well Urbit is sort of the like the cryptocurrency and like as far as I understand it that's their channel of uh, social media so a lot of companies okay we're going to have like a media venture or we're going to have um, we're going to get into healthcare. I just, I, I guess, as far as I understand it, I do want to like get into it a little bit. I do um, too. <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, I, as far as I know, this is uh, from my like far away perspective. Like this is the crim- cryptocurrencies. They're just trying to get into social media and whatever. I don't know. I'll read a little bit about it, but I'm still confused. Please, so. and then report back. <laughs> I'll report back. Because I'm like really like trans, I'm like so really transfixed by the whole like the how the avatars look like we figures, mm-hmm. you know, like they look that's what they look like to me. <laughs> it is funny. Well, I think, um, I think because it's a just like a maybe a more underground version of Reddit, um, there's a lot of like literature people like who are mm-hmm. into it, so um, whatever. Well, and that's what that's what I was like thinking is like, you know, if if everybody goes, you know, if all the people go on to Urbit, mm-hmm. like wh- what's going to happen to the people, like the people who don't really follow Urbit or like is Urbit huh? going to like it, or is Urbit going to like take off and everybody's going to go on it, you know, I, I don't I I don't think Urbit's going to take it, off <laughs> or is it going to be a like a, a countercultural thing? Well, you know, every, everything's a countercultural thing because every market is so niche. So, well, and every, yeah, and everything just gets like, every, absorbed into the whole. Yeah. Well, everything, uh, every sort of market and demographic and like subculture uh, is, uh, you know, claims itself or categorizes itself as uh, transgressive or, you know, uh, we're it's just sort of like stick it to the man. But I mean, I don't know it's all the same to me. And also like, I, I work, like I've worked in advertising and I work in tech now. So I don't know. It's, it's very mon. It's more mundane than it is like, Oh, something's really happening here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well that, yeah. And like, I think that like, that brings us to like Judd Fry, who's like mm-hmm. kind of this like outcast. Although like watching the movie recently, he he i think he operates more on like the primitive subconscious level than he does mm-hmm. of like cuz he's like in the film he's like all dirty mm-hmm. and he's you know he, i'm do is he an he's incel? kind of he's kind I of don't... just to me he's just kind of an egghead he's just like the town egghead who like carves little uh you know, pieces of wood in his hut or whatever. Um, yeah. And he, because I, he's kind of dumb, like I feel he's just easy to manipulate. So he, you know, I feel like that's what makes him, uh, you know, attractive <laughs> maybe. Right, he is attractive mm-hmm. on a on a level, on a certain level. Cause mm-hmm. like in the recent revival production, he did have incel energy, but he also gave off like uh, introverted art guy yeah <laughs> like that's what that's what the that's what I was getting and yeah. I was just like what 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 are we doing with well, he's, a, he's, a cra- he's a craftsman you know 
Yes. And he, yeah, like, he, he builds his, things. He has his nude women on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was like, okay, like that, that might be the incel energy that I'm getting, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, but he doesn't the- isolate himself. No, he's not isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I because he's living on the farm and he's interacting mm-hmm. with people, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. He's an interesting figure and I feel for him. Me too. I and... just want him to be happy, but he just gets killed. But I mean, he, he started it when he, he like, did. brought that gun I or see. brought that knife to the, to the oh, gunfight. I, once again, I love the wep- the use of weapons on stage. Like, I love it so much. Because it's scary. You don't it know. It is super scary. Because I'm especially in a post-Alec Baldwin world. Like you don't know what's <laughs> gonna happen. <laughs> well, it um it always looks so realistic because usually you're sitting far away and you can't really see uh, like the texture on the props right. or anything. So from an audience perspective, if you see a weapon on like a a gun or a knife or something, it is really scary because you can't really tell the difference uh, between like a real knife and like a prop knife. And um, it really does look like, well, <laughs> you know, o- someone's Oklahoma dying. It's like famous for having the gun go off. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that was the one of the things I always hated about this musical because Wait, I'm like, why? because I'm very like gun sensitive. Like that sound <laughs> really like, I hate that. You need sound. little headphones. I maybe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just really like hate that sound because it's so. It you really think... like gets into the ear, and I like feel like I have a ringing in my ear, and mm. I just like don't like it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I support you. Thank you. <laughs> Artistically, it works, mm-hmm. but like it hits me differently. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to go to the ADA version. I exactly. <laughs> I need to go to the one that they do for like the autistic kids. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> well, don't they? Isn't there usually? There's usually a curtain speech saying like there will be right strobe. Sh- yeah, strobe lights or uh, loud crash fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do that. Um, Thank God. <laughs> Wait, so there's actually laws about this. I think in certain states, um, you're not allowed to have to shoot a firearm, even if it's fake, uh, on stage. I think at least um, there, I know for a fact that there is a rule about pointing a gun, even if it's a fake gun, towards the audience. I think that's something I've heard before, maybe in different states, it's different, but um, I've heard like it's a huge no-no if you point a prop gun towards the audience, apparently it's a huge deal that you're not supposed to do. What was that that part in the empty space where he talks about the guy who like shot a gun at the audience member? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Must not have been in America. <laughs> no, maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's crazy. So another, so another like motif, uh, literary uh, from a literary perspective the word like grand and land comes Mm. up so many times in um every single song i mean i think i i've said this before like Mm -hmm. i feel like rogers and hammerstein like have an appreciation and connection to nature that Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I feel like Sondheim is very urban and city-like. And mm-hmm. that's true. Ross Rogers and Hammerstein are very, you know, uh foresty and yeah, they're a little less like cerebral and introspective. They're more like very practical. Mm-hmm. And it's the lyrics are very beautiful yet very simple. And I think Oklahoma, it is sort of about this tension between the natural world and the human yeah, world and exactly. um, how we sort of reconcile that relationship between technological progress and then the things that sort of are never going to change, uh, you know, our emotions, our feelings right. of jealousy, of sexual attraction, um of being you know having men fight over you of course (laughs) um um, and like family dynamics uh you know keeping a community together our anger towards one another you know the impulse to like bring someone down or kill somebody yes uh, things like that that was something that i noticed when watching it again recently is like like there's this strong tension to like keep people at peace you know Mm -hmm. when they're at the when they're at the the fundraiser for the church or school that they're trying to build Mm -hmm. and they the the fight breaks out and Mm -hmm. Eller has to like shoot the gun Mm -hmm. to get people Mm -hmm. to like stop fighting Mm -hmm. like that I think like that is at the heart of this musical it's like that tension between like our primitive self and like our higher self Mm -hmm. or like balancing and trying to compromise the need to uh yeah be cooperative for the Mm -hmm. sake of our community and um you know be in touch with um our natural impulses and trying to um you know honor them but at the same time uh preventing ourselves from spilling over uh yeah. and making an, a problem <laughs> so uh well, yeah that's, that's what why, I think like, about that wait in the wings video that I sent you mm-hmm. yes was so wrong about like mm-hmm. oh this is a musical about a, a toxic culture mm-hmm. it's about a culture that's trying to like get its bearings I feel like mm-hmm. uh yeah but what is a uh, every culture, every community is toxic. People are toxic. Uh, it's, I think it's just what we, what we do. I mean, we have to work together and cooperate, um, to, you know, tame the toxicity, I guess, but still like every, we can make a semantic argument about any kind of culture being toxic. Um, right. Even, even in the places where maybe you've resolved the toxicity, the actual resolution itself uh, may even be more toxic. So I don't know, to me, it's all semantics. And that's why I like, I love Rodgers and Hammerstein. Like, I'm pretty sure um, Michael Riedel has said this. Um, they're probably one of, they're the best of the best. Um, oh, no and question. they are their musicals especially Oklahoma like that truly is a like dramatic blueprint of um effective storytelling um through the music the dance and also I think that is also why I love Oklahoma because the they they the dance is leveraged so much in the storytelling Mm -hmm. and that's super important 
there's a lot of like flying in Oklahoma. Yeah. They, they like to do those, uh, I, I don't know what the, the, the technical term for the, like the dance is, but yeah. they, the, I always associate the, like the jumping in the air with the like scissor legs. What? 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 <laughs> I don't know the technical term. But like that's what I like associate scissor with legs. Scissor scissor legs. What? That's what it looks like. I don't know what you're talking about, but I <laughs> you need to uh, send me a video. <laughs> I will send you. I'll send you a picture. That way it will like yeah. just you can really Wait, study. I, it. I have a question. When you were in middle school, were you were you uh was your middle school weird and like extremely is this a Midwest thing in my middle school? and elementary school we learned how to square dance is that great am i crazy no did I you mean, do that too well we did in elementary school yeah but no you're that's not a weird yeah. midwestern thing that's a, does a, everybody well, do mid- this apparently it comes from president george hw bush i think i've looked this up i think you are right actually about that yeah it was like which it's you know, so honestly, random I mean but I kind of like appreciate it no it's me like too a way to like have everybody be like this is American culture but here's the thing I appreciate um the learning square dancing in middle school I just wish the curriculum of our public schools would expand it a little bit because I've been at many um you know when I make no when I make my uh when I know when I make my public appearances sometimes I wish you know I had a little Lindy Hop in the, my back pocket, or maybe uh-huh. uh, you know uh, Fox Trot, or oh, yeah. perhaps Tango. Uh, yeah, anything because um, yeah, I just there's no where's the utility for the square dance? I understand, but I would I would like to have that expanded upon because I really love ballroom like dancing. Mm-hmm. I wish um, that was included, and the square dancing that I feel like we learned in middle school. Um, it, it was very strange. It's a strange time. I don't, do they do this anymore? Middle schoolers, are you out there? <laughs> probably not because no. they would, they, I mean, we did it when it was like map test or like, yeah, mm. like standardized testing. Oh, see we, this, when I learned it, it was like in our actual curriculum, you were required to learn a specific kind of square dance. I don't know if they specific it's the technical term is square dance but it was like a box dance or something um and it's like a specific curriculum part of um a section of our um pe um Mm, yeah experience so and you have to do it for like three weeks or something very strange it was weird because like our art teacher and our music teacher would get involved like it was all of our extracurricular Mm -hmm. teachers Oh my God! What is that other Oklahoma song? Uh, it's uh the, well, it's the animals. The um, oh, the farmer and the cowman should be the friends. The farmer and the okay, another perfect example of like the natural world and the human world. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know. like, and getting the, and also getting along together, cooperating. Yes, uh, the farmer and the square dancing brings people together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And they were probably square dancing at that fundraiser. Yeah, because that during that song they dance and they, yes. they square dance together. Yeah. Yes, and it's wow. like everyone, everybody should just put our differences aside and be friends. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was. Uh, so, it's very. It's idealistic. It's. It was it's so cute. fun 
because when I was in elementary school, like I was always like that weird art person who like mm -hmm. just loved music and uh, art class and library because I was. You weren't like the other girls. Child. Yeah, I was a very sensitive child. Mm -hmm. And that um, it was always great to like see like the kids who were like really into PE, like really give themselves mm -hmm. over to the square dance. Because that was like, that was where I thrived was the square dance. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you, were, stuff, you were a Southern belle. I know. The, mm -hmm. the gymnastics day was really tough for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although I, I, I do enjoy watching gymnastics, but I, I don't want to do it myself. No. I think I even told my gym teacher that I like hurt my neck really bad, like one time doing it to get out of it. Cause I was like, I don't want to do this. I would just skip PE class. I'm like, this is stupid and embarrassing. <laughs> I'm just going to hide in the bathroom somewhere and like take a shower. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The things um, we'll do. I know. I would definitely be in a production of Oklahoma in a heartbeat. I think it's the best musical. But who would you, who would you play? I don't know well, who I would play. I wouldn't want to play um, Edo Annie. Right. I feel like that would almost be too easy. Um, I could do Aunt Eller in drag. Yes, that would be awesome. That would be great. <laughs> I guess I would just play Lori. I think you'd be a good Lori. Mm -hmm, she doesn't have to be a blonde. I don't know why people are obsessed with it. Like every production that I've seen, you know, tries to make her a blonde. Like she doesn't have to be a blonde. No. Maybe because they like that pure idyllic. Well, I think it's because this show is all about maybe like corn. So mm -hmm. with the yellow, and I think the color is- colors, Farm girl. Yeah. And I think the color, the warm colors are like really important, but- in the show, but um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I don't know, her hair could be any color. Um, I remember in college, there was a production at like the Oregon Shakespeare Festival of Oklahoma where they like non-traditional casted it with um, two women playing Curly and oh. Lori. Because I remember having to research it because I was doing a project over non-traditional casting. Because at, mm -hmm. at that time, I was like, oh, my God, like, we should do this. Yeah. For everything. Mm -hmm. Little did I know. Now I have perspective. I'm like. Maybe not we, every time. Not every time. Maybe. No. You know, but have it as a tool in your back maybe. pocket. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. When he says the corn is as high as an elephant's eye. How many uh, feet is that? I'm like reading now, there are some corn heights that can reach up to- and Where is Curly seeing elephants all the time that he knows? He Okay, that's a really good point. <laughs> Unless like they're like traveling circuses coming to Oklahoma all the time. How would they know what a, I don't- Because elephants are not natural to Oklahoma. Well, no, but for, you probably learned about them through like traveler travelers and like probably the you know the Maybe, peddler yeah, guy probably. comes through yeah you probably know about it um but my yeah. quest my my question is if some corn um reaches the massive height of 14 like 12 14 feet is that how um high uh, elephant's eye is i think so i have, I have no idea that's 3.5 really four meters mm. Wow. Because he, he would always say the corn is as high as an elephant's eye. I'm thinking like, is that, does corn get that tall? But apparently it does get that tall, 12 feet. 
That's crazy. Have you been following the It's Corn craze? Wait, huh? There's a video going around. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. I have like these uh, <laughs> memories of me as a child um, growing up in Illinois. My parents would like drive me to like a large corn uh, field. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we would just look at the corn. <laughs> That's all they I were trying really to get remember. you. They were trying to prepare you for your role in Oklahoma. They were like, we know this girl. She's going to yeah. be in Oklahoma someday. I think it was more of like, this is where all of your food comes from. Well, that's, that's corn. true. <laughs> Put some perspective. This is where everything we eat comes from this corn. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. Especially you in those it. days when like all I ate were like or the chips, ch- candy chips. chips, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of chips. <laughs> yeah, sometimes Any I other... eat so much corn. What Oklahoma is really aligned with my um, eating habits because, um, let's see, what's re- what kind of foods are referenced in the songs? It's mostly just corn and wheat, or the wave yeah. wheats. The, they talk about the grain. Yeah, I, I wonder. Don't... Yeah, I wonder the cow. The cow. Yeah, yeah. I guess they do eat maybe cow. Um, but do they? Me- they don't think they mention pork. I mean, that's a little bit more of like a luxury item. Yeah. I I, I would imagine. I yeah. Know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm behind on my animal husbandry <laughs> geography oh, or whatever. Too. I mean, I literally only eat fish. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, when I was watching Oklahoma. There were mountains in the background. I was like, I are they, could have sworn are they in Wyoming. <laughs> I know. I was like, I could have sworn that Oklahoma was supposed to be flat. Wait a minute. Hold, like, hold on one dang second. Oklahoma is flat. Yeah. What? What you say? Oklahoma is flat. Yeah, Oklahoma is flat. That's why okay, there's so many tornadoes. Oklahoma is a land of flat, fertile plains and low hills. Okay, so we have hills. Okay, we do not have, have mountains. mountains okay okay that's some dramaturgical errors okay right there. yes <laughs> whoever the location uh Scenic whoever designer. was head of locations they should have uh, thought about this but it was weird watching the oklahoma movie recently be- I, I don't know if it's because like it was like in 4k or something mm-hmm. but it just felt like there was a lag and so everything was just like hyper real when I was watching it. weird I was like, yeah I was just like this is crazy but I'm loving every second of it wow it does look really pretty I'm looking at uh google images of it maybe we should pay a visit to Oklahoma no <laughs> sounds fine I mean I kind of, this, it reminds me of like the area I went to um, college in because except we, except, uh, I mean, it was in the middle of nowhere, but we did have mountains actually. Mm. Makes sense. I mean, it's something that's uh, the most unique about like middle America is that it is so flat that it almost makes you angry. Like it just, there's no uh like texture yeah Yeah, there's no texture variation there's no hill to walk up uh it's like you're just going and going and it's just plain and flat for miles and miles kansas is pretty flat too yeah it's strange yeah i don't know and that's the thing that we fought 
people over. We were like, mm-hmm. we must get this land. Mm-hmm. Well, the okay. Once again, I I don't. I'm not a farmer, but if you have flat lands, it's easier. I would imagine it's easier yeah, to um, yeah. have a farm, correct? Yeah, to like get irrigation out to everything. Yeah, that would yeah, make sense. to um, like cultivate food. Mm-hmm. It's probably easier. It would probably be hard to cultivate a, um, you know, a vast uh, uh, valley or, uh, you know, plain of like corn on a mount- on the side of a mountain, you know, I don't know. Do you know if like on The Simple Life, they ever went to like a farm and worked on it? I feel like I'm, they did. I feel like every single episode of The Simple Life is like, we're taking these girls to a farm. Because I feel like they went to many a farm. Right. <laughs> like every episode, the only... they're like, we're going to we're, ta- we're going to a farm again. Because <laughs> the only one that really like, is like seared into my memory is the one when they worked at Sonic. Oh yeah, okay. That, that's correct. <laughs> but I feel like they had to have gone to a farm. Like oh. I'm not... Just I'm saying that up. I swear they went to like 10 farms in that yeah. show. I swear. Cause that's all I mm. think about when I think of that show. Mm-hmm. I miss that. That was yeah. when reality television was like in its renaissance or its height. Yeah. I think I would do really well on a farm or Paul and I, like we always dream about living a very pastoral life and having, um, you know, a ranch having a ranch with chickens, but I think I would just get so isolated and bored. Um, oh, me too. I really I depend quickly. on the kindness of strangers too much. <laughs> but, but how so? No, I'm I'm quoting. Oh, oh, streetcar oh. named Desire. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was but... I was like Josh needs help in public. <laughs> but no, I do I do depend on like. Uh, the apparatus of cities to survive. Of course, me, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I um, cannot live an Oklahoma life. No, granted, I don't think a lot of people. I feel probably a lot of people just live in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Yeah. Although I do, I do have Paul and I. Um, we do have a thespian challenge for ourselves. We want to make our own coffee table because the coffee table we have now is made out of plastic and it's like from Amazon and it's warped, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be hard to just make our own coffee table easily. Put everything together. Found objects to make it or like what what are you planning? Well, I would just um, take some measurements and I would just need to go to Home Depot and the only challenge would be getting the wood cut in yes. the way I need to. The rest would be easy. The only challenge is that I would have to buy the lumber and have it cut in the way I wanted to, unless I had like a studio or something in my house. So would you I guys don't... like stain it yourselves and everything? Oh yeah, we would definitely just do it in our living room, but um, you know, powerful. I know, but may- maybe that's for the next apartments. So I, don't, I don't have time to make my own furniture right now but I'm saying it would be a good thespian challenge for us because we had to learn carpentry in school together so oh I so flex the muscle I I faked it till I made it through the tech theater class I could not did you have to do shop hours yes yeah me too every second of it I didn't go I'm pretty sure tools and me just do not mix I just I hate them 
I'm, st- I'm still bad at it. Um, but what did I ever since high I, school? What did I make in school that actually was so legit? I think I made, did you make a flat? Oh yeah. We had to make a flat. Um, we had to use all these, learn how to use all these different saws. And, um, I think honestly, I just drilled a bunch of shit together when I had to work in the shop. I didn't really have to do any like insane heavy lifting. I did have to hang a lot of lights, like 20 feet up in the air, which was horrifying. You know, light lighting is almost worse for me because I don't like lifting heavy objects over my head. Like Okay, it's so fucking dangerous to, I mean, technically you have all these people spotting you, but when you walk up the ladder with this like 15 pound uh, Fresnel in your arm, like it's so dangerous. I'm going to look up how many deaths in theater school, because I swear to God, it's got to be at least like, I would say probably 20. I don't think people. No, I don't think people keep track of these numbers, but I'm just, I'm so um, intrigued uh, about like the amount of injuries people have in theater school because it is the most dangerous. Um, the most dangerous you, game. Yeah. It's the most dangerous, uh, you know, major uh, form of study, you know. It's a dangerous art, but you got to take the risk to reach the sublime. I know. You have to... Uh, climb a ladder like 20 feet in the air and like also just there was so many times where I'm like up you have to be in the rafters basically or in the ceiling so scary my favorite was like always being like the light um board operator where you could just press go that was my favorite and I was really good at that hmm too okay, bad you I'm, can't make that a full-time job. But. I'm looking up um, the most common injuries related to the performing arts. Okay, the first one is knee pain. Um, that makes sense. Okay, I've got a lot of hip hip pain, um, shin pain, snapping hip, um, and then also stress fracture. So a lot of hips and uh, like minor uh, feet and leg injuries. That makes sense. Ankle sprain. Yeah, it's a lot of ankle sprain. Hmm. No uh, pathological conditions? <laughs> Come on. I know, that must be, uh, that's Come the on. They have it. Right no, they, they, yeah, they're still doing that, that study. Um, how about survey of injuries among West End performers? Let's see. of all performers sustained at least one injury for an average of points, 87 injuries per performer. Um, Neck, it's mostly neck and back and strains and sprains. Well, thank God a lot of these productions have like physical therapists on hand. Yeah, but um, unfortunate uh, that um, none of them have health insurance or uh, some of them do. (laughs) Right. Mm I think uh, Oklahoma, like the song, is probably the one uh, song I sing the most alone in my house. Really? Yeah, it's the best. It's very easy to sing. I mean, I don't know what I, I don't think I, I mean, I don't really, 
Oklahoma doesn't really like Boston, come into my my conscious that often. I don't feel like every single day I wake up and I'm like, da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, it's so good. It just gets you going. It's I don't good know. when I when I when I watch it. I I yeah. enjoy myself, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Oklahoma's not one that like is like the recent revival is seared into my memory, mm-hmm. and I am I tell everybody that I meet anybody listening to go see that production because it will it will change your life it will fuck with you for days after something uh about oh what a beautiful morning the composition of it uh is actually extremely unique but I'm I forget what it is I mean, it Something. goes in like, it feels like it goes in hills when you sing it. it. Well, that I was going to say, it feels like a hill. Climbing the hills, up hill. Yeah, it feels like large, like hilly, mountainous. It's rolling. Actual, yeah, it's yeah. rolling. It feels like a rolling song. I'm just rolling along. Let's see. It's Well, we didn't even talk about how like Oklahoma is also really... I mean, it's it's a game changer of a musical because it opens quiet with mm-hmm. Aunt Eller just churning butter. Yeah. And Curly is heard off stage singing, mm-hmm. Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, and mm-hmm. it comes on. And like, yeah. that was unheard of. It, that is very, that is very novel and like new for, yeah, for like the form. You know? Yeah. To start a musical. It was, yeah, strange. Yeah. Contemplative. Yeah. It's weird. It is very weird. And And it's very spooky, too, because you're just watching this this woman churning butter. And then there's a guy off stage who's like slowly creeping in, but singing this very, uh, you know, optimistic song. Yeah. Buoyant and pastoral. Yeah. And it, it like kind of like speaks to how like slow life just moved in this period. Mm-hmm. What what's interesting in the revival is that like the stage is like bare, mm-hmm. you know, and then they all walk on mm-hmm. and then curly starts singing. There is no like churning butter part. Mm, strange. They all just walk on. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about churning butter, it's like it takes a lot of patience. And it takes forever to like actual, literally manually churn butter or churn like milk into butter. So that's probably why like it's slow. The song starts like this drolling slow, but um, you know, it makes, it's very content uh, and it doesn't evoke a lot of tension or anxiety. It's just like, oh, it's another day. It's another morning. I'm churning the butter. I'm making the Which donuts. Which makes the whatever. musical even more sinister because they weren't ex- like they weren't expecting. You're never expecting somebody to just die. No. Or get murdered. Yeah. Reality, like just. It, yeah, it's foreboding. In. Yeah. yeah. The land we belong to is grand. Truly. (laughs) I love this land. I love this country. But 
it does blow my mind that they say um, you're doing fine, Oklahoma. Okay, that is insane because it really does uh, lay bare what the musical is all about. It's just about taking every uh, taking like one day at a time, you know, with every new day, every new morning, every uh, new uh, undiscovered land idea. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. Beautiful. Now Another. I want corn. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. And on that note. And, and scene. scene. <laughs>